So we're going to do something a little bit different to start tonight's show. We're going to get right into it. Uh, I, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a rut. I feel like we might be in a little bit of a rut. Uh, this whole week, the last two weeks, really, Matt LaFleur needs to do this better. And Aaron Rodgers isn't playing very good. And I just, I don't know, it's nice. I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like it's a little repetitive. We need something to, I don't know, change it up. We need a curveball. So I had an idea, uh, a different way to start today's show, a little different flavor. And I think we might keep it if it goes well. People like it. I want to do this maybe every Friday where we start the show with a little monologue, like it's the Tonight Show. And of course, we talk about sports. We talk about our teams. But I just, we need something to switch it up, to change it up. So this is how I want to start tonight's show. We're going to do an opening monologue as if it's Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel or what have you. Just something a little different tonight. So here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Calm down, calm down. Thank you, thank you. Sit down. We got a great show tonight. Yes. Yes, we got a great show. Great show on deck. One of my favorite guests, Justin Garcia, is here. He's backstage. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And have a great show. So much going on this week. Major League Baseball playoffs. The NBA Lounge is back today. Yes, hyped about that. We've been talking about that all week. Tweeting about it earlier at Wisco Grant. A lot going on in the world this week. The new Halloween movie is out. Shout out Jamie Lee Curtis. We all love her. Well, she's not. She's not here. She's not easy. She's not here. I just you know, Jamie Lee Curtis. Love her. Uh, and uh, obviously, it's political season as well. We had a debate last night. Election season. Been seeing so many political ads, and so many of them that I've seen have been uh, fear based. Right? Crime, cash bail, guns, immigration. Uh, And Senator Ron Johnson the other night just debuted a new ad. And people are saying that maybe he took it a step too far, a little bit too much, a little too on the nose. People are upset. Uh, This new ad shows a clip of Matt LaFleur boarding an airplane. I know. There's nothing, nothing scarier. Nothing will get people to vote like the Packers playing a road game. There's nothing scarier than the Packers traveling. In other news, Wisconsin news, uh, the Curter Burger is back this week. Did you see? Yeah. Saw it all over Twitter. Uh, I just talked to a lot of people who had it last year, and they said it wasn't very good. They said it sucked. So I'm a little surprised that Culver's brought it back. Um, but then again, the Bucks brought back George Hill, so I, what do I know? If George Hill can get some playing time this year, I guess I can choke down a Curter Burger. Maybe not that surprising that they brought it back. Lastly, on a lighthearted note, the fall colors are back in the state of Wisconsin. Reds, oranges, yellows. Yeah. Yeah, give it up for the fall colors. I always love this time of year. However, folks, trees are not going to stay this color for very long. So make sure you get out and enjoy it. Make time this weekend to get out and enjoy it. Luckily, due to David Stearns being a dumbass, Brewers hands have plenty of time right now. Yeah, plenty of time. We got a great show. Let's go. You know, at an anxiety level, base level of about seven. Can't really tell the difference between a week going against Rob and Mike compared to a week going against guys he doesn't know as well. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. 
kind of like that. That's kind of fun. Need a band in the studio. You know, Jimmy Fallon's got the roots. Emeril Lagasse, Food Network fans remember Emeril Live back in the day. Had Doc Gibbs in the Emeril Live band. We need, we need a live studio band. We need one right here in the studio. There's only one microphone in here, so I can't do in-studio guests, but maybe we could blow this wall out a little bit wider, expand it a bit. I don't know. Stand-up bass, drum set. Questlove's probably busy, but I don't know. Maybe we could get... Maybe that bald guy who's on Letterman, is he still alive? What's he up to? Is his name Dave? Can we get him? I don't know. We'll work on it. I'll send an email to the boss. Maybe we can get the budget approved. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We do have a loaded show tonight. Great show tonight. Justin Garcia is going to be here. We're going to finally talk about the Bucks, preview the Bucks, and preview some other NBA topics as well. It's the first NBA lounge of the season. I don't know if we're to the point where we're going to do it every week. I don't know. Might be a feeling out process because with football going on, with Major League Baseball playoffs going on, there's a lot going on. The Badgers, so I, I don't know if we can afford an NBA lounge every week. We'll see. There's big games and, and big news. Maybe we can do it, but we are going to have an NBA lounge. First ever guest in the NBA lounge tonight is Justin Garcia from the Bucks Radio Network. He will join us, and naturally, we're going to talk a lot about the Packers and the NFL and Matt LaFleur. Joe Barry, Aaron Rodgers, everything that we've been really deep diving the last two weeks, we're going to dive even deeper. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558, if you'd like to join the show. And I am on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I'll start with Thursday Night Football last night. The end of last night's show, I think we nailed the Thursday Night Football predictions. I think we nailed it perfectly. We've been on a little bit of a heater on this show. Last night, we said that last week's Thursday Night game was terrible. It was horrible, but it was very entertaining. Right? And before the end of last night's show, we said this week will also be terrible, but not as entertaining. Right? Like, do you know what the alignment system is? They use it for TV characters. I always see it on Twitter through memes, right? Where you have lawful good, neutral good, chaotic good, true neutral, chaotic evil, right? And you can organize which character fits where. Last week was chaotic good. Uh, last night was just chaotic terrible. I don't think that fits in the alignment chart but we can make our own little version. Last night stunk. Uh, the game was so rough that Al Michaels and Herb Street were mocking it, joking about touchdowns. This was maybe the most interesting part of the game, at least until the finish. There was a report today on ESPN alleging that Snyder is accumulating damaging info on other owners and Roger Goodell is leverage. There he is in the middle. To avoid being voted out of the league, our Michael Smith reporting before the game, Snyder's the subject of five different investigations or inquiries. For sexual harassment, a toxic work environment, financial irregularities. This has been an ongoing story with the investigations and all of that. And the owners have a meeting scheduled in New York on Tuesday. It is not currently on the agenda. Fields under pressure. Just my feeling, I think what the league would love is for Snyder to sell the team. Not have to go to a vote, but just sell the team. Because it's become a major problem around the league, obviously. Al Michaels doesn't just say that. Like, I want to know where that came from. Did Goodell send him a text before the game, or did Goodell text Bezos, and then Bezos ran that down to Al Michaels? I don't know. Al Michaels just doesn't go off the cuff and say that, though. Came from somewhere. Very interesting. I guess Snyder's been hiring, hiring PIs to follow around NFL owners. As a Packers owner, I'm just wondering, you know, something that I shouldn't have done. Maybe I'm getting exposed i don't know we'll see i think he's probably more after goodell and jerry jones just my feeling probably not fourth quarter last night power of football terrible game all of a sudden got good 
The worst game imaginable, really, the Bears versus Carson Wentz, and it still got good at the end. Commanders punted the ball away down one from about midfield, their side of midfield, to be fair, with eight minutes left. Didn't like that, but then Velas Jones muffed the punt. Basically within the five-yard line, Velas Jones is essentially Amari Rodgers. Saw today that maybe they take the punt duties away from him. Although he was drafted as a returner, that's supposedly what he was really good at. So, but then again, so was Amari Rodgers. So. Carson Wentz depleted Roquan Smith on a block. That was pretty funny. And of course, the Bears drive all the way down at the end uh, and almost punch it in and don't. Shout out to the ref that got that spot perfectly at the end of the game. Last night was a terrible game, but it was still awesome. We love to complain about games on Twitter, but we are tweeting about the games, right? It reminds me of that, that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean line. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me. But you have heard of me. This is the worst game I've ever watched, but I am watching. Uh-huh. So Thursday night football last night. Basically, not basically, exactly what we expected. All right, let's shift to this. Let's talk about the Packers for a couple minutes before we take our first break. Aaron Rodgers got a bad thumb and was asked, I don't know, about a million questions about it on Wednesday in his press conference. How do you how do you rehab a thumb? How do you know if it's healthy? Oh, this isn't that. Like, oh, God, I don't care. Rashawn Gary, I guess, has got a toe now. So Rodgers' thumb, most important player on offense. Rashawn Gary, arguably the most important player on defense. They have elite players at every level, so we think. The problem is they only really have one elite edge rusher. Well, they have multiple good corners multiple good interior defensive linemen, although Kenny's the best. The drop-off for Brashawn Gary to Preston Smith is probably the widest in any position group they have. So you could argue their two most important players are now injured. Part of being a true sports fan is talking yourself into everything being good for your team, like even the bad things. We did this the entire offseason, right? Oh, Devontae Adams is leaving? Well, that's actually good for our Packers because it'll force Rodgers to do this and that, and the offense will do that. Like, we talk ourselves into everything, right? I have convinced myself today that both of these injuries are actually good for the Packers. I've convinced myself that Aaron Rodgers having a bum thumb is actually good for the Packers and Rashawn Gary having a bum toe to a degree, as long as he can still play is good for the Packers for the defense. I think Rodgers, who's not playing very well right now, just needs to simplify things while working in the young guys, while working in some of these new players, while Bakhtiar in the offensive line kind of settles into place. Rodgers needs to rein it in a little bit. We don't need to take a bunch of deep shots, especially when Christian Watson isn't healthy. Let's let's hit the easier plays, build some confidence through the wide receivers. I'm not saying Rodgers has to play boring, just play a little more structured, right? Take the easier throws, take the shorter stuff, the high percentage stuff, while you're building momentum as an offense and experience as an offense for bigger plays, especially later in the year when the games really start to matter. If Rodgers has a bum thumb, now he has a reason maybe to draw it in just a little bit. And I actually think that might be good for the offense and for Rodgers in the long term, I think Joe Barry actually needs to, you know, do his job and scheme things up for his pass rushers rather than just lining up four or five on every snap and having them rush straight up the field. Maybe Rashawn Gary's toe injury actually forces Joe Barry to sit down and, I don't know, concoct a play, a twist, a stunt. Packers aren't doing any of those things on defense, but maybe Rashawn Gary's a little limited. I don't know. Maybe they'll start. We'll see. Am I full of crap? Probably. Obviously, a healthy Aaron Rodgers is better, and a healthy Rashawn Gary is better, but maybe, just maybe, some limitations to these two very important players will help focus and dial in all the coaches and all the parties responsible. Oh, Rodgers got a bad thumb. Everybody else has got to elevate their game. Maybe we just simplify the offense a little bit in the short term. I think that'd be a good thing. And maybe Joe Barry, with a limited Rashawn Gary, actually needs to scheme things up and coordinate a defense, which he is not currently doing. Just some things to think about. Just some things to ponder. Injury might be a silver lining. 
Happens all the time in sports. I'm just trying to get out ahead of it and also irrationally talk myself into something about the team that I'm a fan of because that's what sports fans do. 608-796-2558. Call me, text me, tweet me at Wisco Grant. We'll talk more Packers for a few minutes when we come back before we get to Justin Garcia for our Bucks preview and for the NBA Lounge. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. We're going to talk Bucks with Justin Garcia, our buddy from the Bucks Radio Network, coming up in about 10 minutes. And then we're going to step into the NBA Lounge for a little bit. Look around the league before the season starts. So basketball fans, today is for you at least the next half hour. After 5 o'clock, we're going to be all Packers to the finish line with possibly a dash of Jimmy Buffett. Fins up. It is Friday. 608-796-2558. You can also find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Like I said, Big Joe chiming in on Twitter. Thank you, Big Joe. Good luck to your Padres. Do they play tonight? I don't look at the Major League Baseball playoff schedule. I just get home and I, I just turn it on and whatever's on, I watch. I'm not really thinking that hard about it. Although I think the Phillies are playing right now. So shout out Ben Kenny. Cheering for the Phillies for Ben Kenny. Cheering for the Padres for myself and I I guess for Big Joe. Um, not that I don't care about your wants and needs, Big Joe. It's just, you know, I'm a co-worker with Ben. I, I got some personal investment there. I, I, I don't think I've ever met you, Big Joe. Although I talk to you, I feel like a friend. Uh, I do want the Padres to win for my sake because I want the Brewers to look bad. Right before that last break, I was explaining why maybe Aaron Rodgers' thumb injury or Sean Gary's toe injury, maybe a sneaky silver lining for the Packers. Maybe. Rodgers, I think, and the entire offense needs to simplify things, rein it in, no more hero balls deep down the field, at least until we get a little bit better chemistry. This offense gets its feet under it. Let's just take what's given, especially when you're playing bad teams, right? I I guess we're not going to blow out the bad teams, but we got to beat them. (laughs) Like We do have to beat the Patriots and Bailey Zappi, which they did barely. We do have to beat the Giants and Daniel Jones, which they did barely. Personally, I would like a blowout, but it doesn't seem like we're going to get one. So let's just focus on the fundamentals. Right, hit the open guy, run the offense. And then as Rodgers gets healthier and the offense builds confidence later in the season, then we can mix some of those deep shots in, some of those big plays. But right now, not the time. And maybe Aaron Rodgers' thumb injury just reins him in a little bit. I also think Joe Barry needs a reason to actually coordinate his defense, apparently, which right now he's not doing. They're not running twists or stunts. They're not mixing up their pressures. They're not describing or describing. They're not disguising anything. They're giving me nothing to describe because they're not doing anything. There's lining up four or five guys up front and just sending them straight. Makes it a lot easier on the offense. So maybe if Rashawn Gary's a little limited and they need to mix in other guys or take into account that Rashawn Gary, like I said, is limited, well, maybe Joe Barry actually starts doing some stuff. I don't know. I think in 2014 with Aaron Rodgers, that came before Dallas. I remember being in the car with my parents. We were listening to the pregame show before they played the Cowboys in the NLDS. Remember this game? Not the NLDS. The, uh... (laughs) <laughs> the divisional round. Same thing, but I got baseball on the brain. I remember listening to the pregame for that Packers-Cowboys game in 2014, and the story was Aaron Rodgers' calf. He's got a bum calf. He's got a bad calf. Calf this, calf that. And he was hobbled. He was slow. He was kind of skipping around on one leg, but I think that kept him in the pocket a little bit more than normal. I do remember he did get outside the pocket. That touchdown throw to Richard Rodgers where he threw it in between two closing defenders, like the old school football through the tire type of throw. 
He was rolling to his left, if I remember correctly. So he did move, but he moved when he had to. Right? Sometimes, I think when quarterbacks are feeling uncomfortable in their offense, for whatever reason, maybe they don't trust their wide receivers because they're young and inexperienced, like with the Packers. Maybe they don't trust the offensive linemen because they're switching guys in and out. We're not really sure who's starting where on a week-to-week basis. Both the case there in Rodgers. Right? So maybe you get a little happy feet in the, in the pocket. Maybe you roll out. Rodgers in 2014 didn't do that as much, and I think it turned him into a really efficient player, both against the Cowboys, the game they won, and then in the Seahawks until the fourth quarter when things just melted down. And I don't think that had anything to do with Rodgers' injury. I think that had to do with what was going on in the head of Mike McCarthy and in the head of Rodgers, but then also some just brain fart mistakes from special teams and obviously Morgan Burnett getting down and basically just giving away 40 yards of field position. God, that play was so... That play might be worse than the onside kick. That might be stupider than the onside kick. But Rodgers with his calf, right? A little more limited, had to rein things in a bit and was playing really well in the playoffs. Rodgers sometimes... Maybe he needs to lose Devontae Adams for a game to really dial it in. Maybe he needs a, a bum calf or a bum thumb every once in a while to dial it in, get back to basics, get back to fundamentals, focus on footwork, focus on timing, which when this offense isn't clicking and it hasn't been for long stretches the last couple of weeks, it loses the sense of timing. It loses the sense of uh, efficiency. We need to get that back. So maybe Aaron Rodgers getting banged up a little bit. Maybe that's what it takes. I'm very hopeful for Joe Barry. I'm expecting nothing but hoping for a lot. I'm really hoping that Joe Barry actually, you know, coordinates a defense this week. It's like, well, everyone's making fun of me. Everyone's writing articles about how my defense sucks. So maybe I'll try. Like the press conference, Joe Barry should have brought a notebook to his press conference the other day because his entire press conference was each reporter taking turns asking why he wasn't doing this. Hey, uh, Joe Barry, why aren't you doing that? Oh, that's a good point. I should write that down. Why are you playing Rasul Douglas in the slot instead of Darnell Savage or Jair Alexander? Oh, it's a good point. Maybe maybe we should play Sewell outside. Yeah, r- write that down. It's not even a press conference. It's a brainstorming session. And Joe Barry is the one who needs all the ideas. Right? Maybe you should uh you should bring your safeties up a little bit, help defend against the run. Maybe you know, Joe, uh Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, really good man corners, really good, athletic, fast, long. Uh, maybe trust him in man coverage. Joe Barry's up there as a little legal pad. These are good ideas, guys. Keep them coming. Part of me thinks that Joe Barry has to do some things differently this weekend. Here's, here's a, a hypothetical, just something to think about. If the Packers' defense looks this weekend at home exactly like it did in London, are we firing Joe Barry? I would. I would. Why not? If he cannot, after last week, make a couple of simple tweaks. These tweaks are so obvious to you, to me, to the reporters that cover the Packers, to the people who break down film. It's so obvious what Joe Barry needs to do. If he doesn't do it this weekend, I'm done with him. Well, who's up next? I don't know, but whoever would then step in, a a Muppet could come in and do what Joe Barry is doing right now and run a too high shell, just send four guys every play. That's easy. That's what bad defenses do. That's the scheme bad defenses run. Defenses without any talent. I could go into the Green Bay Packers organization and build that type of defense. Just say, ah, run quarters, too high, line up four guys up front, no no twists, no stunts, nothing creative, just, you know, play a bland defense. Anybody could do that. So if Joe Barry runs the same defense this weekend, doesn't make any tweaks, no adjustments, doesn't play to his player strengths at all, like he so obviously should, I'm fine with moving on from him. I, honestly, yeah, I'd fire a defensive coordinator in week six. I know that that's a tough set of circumstances for a team like the Packers that's supposed to compete. But then again, 
the Brewers traded Josh Hader, and they were supposed to compete, so it's not like it hasn't been done. <laughs> the only difference is everybody loved Josh Hader. Nobody loves Joe Barry. God, what a... He's not a real coordinator. He's a fake coordinator. Maybe this Rashawn Gary injury, on top of everything else that's happened this week, will actually get him to, you know, do his job. Let's take a break. We'll come back, talk bucks with Justin Garcia, NBA Lounge in just a little bit as well. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. If you want to text the show, I'd love to chat. 608-796-2558. And you can always tweet me as well at Wisco Grant. I'm not going to be taking your calls until after five because we got to chat with our guy Justin Garcia who's here to preview the Bucks. And then after our next break, we're going to step into the NBA Lounge for the first time this season. It's very exciting. People have been asking for it. Uh, and don't worry, we're going to talk more Packers in the second half of the show. But let's get right to it. Justin Garcia previewing the Bucks 2022 2023 season. We're here with Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network. He's on Twitter at TMJ Garcia. Justin, people have been clamoring for this. Normally, I am like <laughs> cautious when I talk NBA, but for the last two weeks, people are like, when are we talking NBA? I, I, okay, we'll do it. All right, I'll get Justin. So people have been clamoring for you. Uh, did I tell you, have we talked since this? Um, I had to, to pinch hit basically on our Brewers coverage for for large chunks of the summer, which was mm-hmm. quite an experience. And uh, the the best part about it was it did connect me with Vinny Rotino, who is uh, one of the prides of lacrosse. There are so WL many. Baseball game. Yeah. And uh, I had jokingly told him, hey, man, we got to get back up to lacrosse sometime in the offseason and see the old stomping grounds. Mm-hmm. And he sounds like he's more than game for it. I mentioned it the last time on the air. And uh, one of the Bucks media relations gurus, Dan Smichik, who is also a UWL alumni, texted me immediately and said, hey, when's the caravan? Because I'm in, too. So it sounds like we might have some heavy hitters. And, of course, our, our friend Bart, I think I could coax into joining us as well. Well, he's so busy. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I love Bart. He was here a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I or, saw. Yeah, so he's quite jealous. Yeah, I went on our morning show. Uh, in Madison last week, and they asked me a Bucks question. They basically just said, hey, what do you think about the Bucks? Are you excited about the Pucks? And basically my statement was, look, guys, like when we have Giannis on our team, the season is just going to go well for us. Like that's just typical. Like that's been my statement up until now. Like that's my starting point for the season. It's like, hey, before we talk about any of the depth or any of the competition, like we have Giannis, we're already, you know, levels above and steps ahead of most all of these other teams. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that uh, as we have this discussion i uh i peer over at the tv and i have espn on i i don't even know what this is but the uh, question being addressed right now is level of concern for the milwaukee bucks after an zero and five preseason <laughs> mid-season form already yes. yeah we have found ourselves so yeah. here we are so you're not worried about the zero and five start oh no i'm, I'm assuming it's very high for uh <laughs> for this established group that they have oh this must be the old uh the new jump the nba today uh i'm look they went zero and five the year they won the title it's obviously I don't know. We had this conversation after the final preseason game, uh, myself and Dave Kane, about what what do you really take from the preseason, if anything? Like, I know they did some tinkering with some stuff, but also 
Giannis played what two games in the preseason? You didn't have Chris Middleton at all. Yeah, and your regulars basically played two games, one in Abu Dhabi, and then the final preseason game. Other than that, it was a lot of weird minutes and a lot of minutes for groupings you don't expect or hope you won't see regularly in the regular season. Granted, last year was a little different early in the season where we saw a lot of those weird combos. Um, but I don't know, to be honest, what to take away from the preseason, if anything. Um, if you're looking for positives, it's the resurgence offensively from Javon Carter, I suppose, that that's Bucket. something you'll take. And uh, I saw, I thought, some nice things from Sandro Mamoukelishvili defensively because that's what's going to be most important for him. Yeah. But, look, it's just to your main point, they have Giannis. I'm convinced he's still the best player in the world. Yes. So that's going to put you, you would think, at least 50 wins. I think their over-under is, what, 52 and a half? That's yeah. probably the right number for him. I think it's going to be low 50s for wins, and a lot of that is Giannis. Um, my only thing is you have a relatively easy schedule early after that Philly game. And I think it's going to be important that you make the most of that because there's no ideal spot to finish anymore where you can't really point to, Hey, two seeds, the best or three seed, you know, yeah. whatever. But you also, you don't want to get to the point where I think the offense could be pretty spotty at best until Chris Middleton returns. You don't want to get to the point where, that uh, inconsistency offensively is costing you wins against bad teams. And then you have a difficult schedule down the stretch and you're looking at the standings and thinking, man, we might not have home court advantage in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. We can't have that. The seating doesn't matter to a, to a level, to a certain degree. I'm with you there. And I don't think there's obviously an ideal spot to finish. You know, I've, I've been trying to come up with talking points for the bucks because I said a lot of listeners have wanted it and they're like things I'm thinking about in the preseason and I'm struggling. And then I read Howard Beck's preview today where he, you know, surveyed a bunch of different people or whatever anonymously. And basically the, the tidbit on the bucks was just have everyone healthy in the playoffs this year. And that was it. I'm like, Oh, okay. So this isn't that hard. I, there's, there's not something I'm failing to grasp. Like the blueprint for the bucks is pretty simple. Have Chris Middleton healthy in the postseason this time around. That's really it. Yeah. And it's, it's almost kind of boring because yeah. that's kind of the status quo for a lot of teams too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the Celtics have some more questions with a new head coach, but if <laughs> yeah, you're the Celtics, it's, Hey, if you know, we're at full health and we're optimized and time Lord is back at a hundred percent and Al Horford doesn't look like, you know, he's nearing retirement. Like health is big for them. The Brooklyn Nets had some health issues a year ago. And I don't know that you'd put them in the conversation of, championship contenders but there's a lot of those teams in the east especially 76ers are a team that i'm sure is going to say as long as we're healthy we're title favorites so we've reached the point in the nba where it's not so much these young teams i think a lot of that is in the west now where you say well if our guy takes a step forward the eastern conference is is mostly comprised of teams that are saying if we're healthy we feel like we can win it established yeah yeah established teams um, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up Boston. Do you know the one redeeming thing I remember from the postseason last year? As we get farther removed from losing in the second round in seven games to Boston, especially when they had a chance at home in game six, and of course Jason Tatum had to pull his one good game out of his ass that round, which is a bummer. The one redeeming thing that I think about is that the Bucks took such a big chunk out of the Celtics in that series. And that just that feels... It feels old-timey. It feels classic. It feels like it's from a different era in that the Celtics came into that series red-hot, swept the Nets, 
Everyone was terrified of the Celtics. They're the title favorites. Look at this defense. They go and get in the pit with the Bucs for seven games. And the Bucs ultimately don't win. But the Celtics came out of that series. They were a different team. Like, the, the Bucs took a bite out of the Celtics. And I feel like we don't get that in the NBA a lot. And I never get it from my teams. Nobody's scared of the Packers or the Brewers. I like that the Bucs have that to them. I love that. And as we get farther away from last year, I keep thinking about that. And I love that that team is, is built this way. Well, uh- Yes, and I've actually talked to quite a few people. Like we we've seen some more national people showing up to Bucks games, even in the preseason. Uh, the the game against the Nets brought our pal Nick Fridell and a few others from ESPN. So, just getting into the discourse with them too, and and that was the main takeaway from a lot of national folks was, man, this Bucks team, uh, it just uh, it just cemented Giannis even more because he had one of the all time finals runs the year prior, Mm -hmm. but it was what he did against the Celtics that like put him up another level, even more so than the finals, if that's possible, because you looked at no Chris and you looked at the way that team looked down the stretch. And you said, how is he dragging these guys to a game seven against a Celtics team that by the metrics was far and away the best team in basketball. So good. And yes, it still agitates me that believe it or not, that the Celtics did not win the championship because it was like they ruined the simulation. They the wasted prior, it. They wasted they it. They wasted it. Mm-hmm. And the parallels between the Bucs and Celtics were really uncanny. The year prior, the Bucs basically did the same thing. They swept and embarrassed the Heat. They played a Brooklyn Nets team that a lot of people said this is the title favorite. Yep. Granted, some injuries occurred. Mm-hmm. It went to seven games, and the Bucs were the team that came out with the shine. Celtics did the same thing to the Bucs. They needed to beat the Heat. And the fact that the Heat, that was the same series where the Heat were begging the Celtics. Yeah. Please just put us out of our misery. Yes. Kind of like the Hawks. Yeah. Uh, they got to the finals, but they ruined it. Where yeah. You should have won that and kept that run because you never know when you get back. So that still kind of agitates me that, you know, the positive is, well, look what the Bucks did to the Celtics yeah. with basically only Giannis, with Drew Holiday not fully optimized, no Chris Middleton. Grayson Allen had his struggles, and we just kind of looked lost. <laughs> yeah, We still took him to seven games. Holy cow. But the fact that we gave you this gift, yes. and I can use we, we gave you yes. this gift, and you didn't cash in on it, it still frustrates and agitates me to this day. I love that you brought this up because I did this on the air. I worked through these emotions on the air last year because once the Bucks lost, I still want to talk about the playoffs. This is the conference finals and the finals. I still want to talk about basketball, and I hate the Celtics. I do not like them. I never want to see them win anything. And I'm cheering against them. But on the other hand, and I'm working through this in real time on my show, I'm saying, look, I hate the Celtics, but the Celtics have been given this gift at the expense of the Bucks, And I will be damned if I sit here and watch them lose to the Heat. You know what I mean? I was, I was spite cheering for them. Exactly. I, I also exactly. dislike the Celtics for a number of reasons. And by the way, a uh, little inside baseball, I was told after game seven, not a very gracious group that uh, that we deal with it. Our colleagues are the Boston Celtics, so it was kind of wait, 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 wait. gracious group. What do you mean gracious group? Who's uh, the group in, in victory? Uh, you know, you oh. handle it a, a certain way. That uh, I, I will say this. So I get a lot of interaction with the radio teams. I'm not going to name names. Heard a lot of talk about the Celtics radio team, and uh, a lot of it was validated in that playoff series. The Brooklyn Nets team, by the way were absolutely great. And uh, Chris Carino is one of the all-time great guys, obviously in, in sports media, but just the person as a whole. Yeah. But when the Bucks beat the Nets, I remember 
that group coming up, their radio, their their media relations, the radio team, and and some of their other like local TV people that obviously weren't calling the games but traveling, coming up to every one of us and telling us like, hey, go win the title. We're rooting for you guys. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Like, you know, you're the team from here on out. So we hope you win. Yeah, and very gracious about it. Exact opposite from the Boston Celtics, where it was basically like, hey, all right, screw you guys, we're off to win a title. So in that regard, when I saw them lose in the finals, it was a little, all right, I'm not too, I don't feel too bad for that group. But the larger part of me was was spite cheering for the Celtics just because it was like, this should be your destiny. We gave you a gift. Take this to the finish line and, and finish this thing off. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Boston, this is a joke that maybe only you will understand. Speaking of Boston radio, hey, have you ever heard that Ryan Rosillo once did radio for the Boston Celtics? Uh, did he? I thought he's he did a, baseball. He was, at all, he was also at ESPN once upon a time. I don't know. Yeah. We never hear about it. Um, that's another reason is I, I love Simmons and Rosillo, and I would just force myself to listen to their damned podcasts. And, like, the whole Buck series, they're like, man, this I just Giannis, I hate playing him. Like, and I get it. Like, he wears you out. It's got to be exhausting. And then as soon as the series is over, right? Bill's doing the whole. Are are the are the Bucks like the mo- the team most under pressure next year? Like, he just starts like could not have been a faster transition. And yes, it seems like a lot of the the media people ride the Celtics, and it just it irks me. We'll take a break. Come back, Justin. I want to welcome you as the first ever guest into the NBA Lounge. We could talk about some of the Bucks' rivals and some other things that we're looking forward to as the NBA season gets ready to start. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We're back with Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network, and this is a monumental moment for the show. And not to be this guy, a, a monumental moment for for you. You are the <laughs> you are the first ever guest in the NBA Lounge. Welcome. It, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I've heard so much about it. I can't believe you haven't had guests into this place before. Well, it's very exclusive. So uh, let's start. I just have a bunch of generic questions or takes about other NBA teams because the Bucks are one of those teams. Be healthy to the playoffs. We'll watch Mamu. We'll watch Marjan. What yeah, Joe mean, Inglis boring. does. They're boring in a good way. They're boring in a good way. So I, there's some of these teams that are more interesting. Uh, two teams that I hear a lot of people talking about, and I think if I know you, you will agree with me 100% on this. I hear a lot of people saying, hey, look out. Magic could be sneaky good. Pistons could be sneaky good. Like, not good good, but like, hey, they could contend for one of the final playoff spots. I don't buy that at all. They'll be fun, but let's relax on the Magic and the Pistons. I somewhat buy the Pistons thing. Uh, like, To what level? Cont- like, contend for the 10th spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a buddy, buddy texted me this morning. He said, I've made one bet, and it's the Pistons to make the play-in at, like, plus 600 because I think they could sneaky get the 10th seed. And so I like not Yeah, not necessarily win it, but be in the play-in. Yeah, I, I buy that. Uh, the Magic, I do not. And a lot of it is, I was, I like, I'm not going to pretend to be a college basketball expert because I see a handful of games a year. But what I did see, I really liked Paulo Bancaro, and I mm-hmm. thought he should have been the number one pick. He was, and he intrigues me quite a bit, but there it's it's your typical John Hammond team where yeah. it's these long, rangy, athletic freaks, and I do like uh, Franz Wagner. Jonathan Isaac, breakout season? Well, he's got to return to the floor, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's been since the bubble that he's played, which is absolutely crazy, and I just don't like their backcourt. I wasn't a big Jalen Suggs guy. I don't see... Johnny Davis better. 
Oh, be careful with that one, wow, too. Okay. Um, I just don't see it with the Magic. That It feels like they're eternally rebuilding, and I don't think that escapes this year. I think they'll probably be around that same level as the Pistons, just because there's more teams that are going to be outwardly trying to tank yeah. more than the Magic and the Pistons will. But I like the makeup of the Pistons roster a lot better than I do the Magic. And Kate Cunningham was kind of the under the radar. You know, this guy's going to be pretty good of that rookie class a year ago. It was a really good rookie class. And yeah. I think Cade got lost in the shuffle. Well, I want to talk more about the Pistons in a couple of minutes, specifically one player moving along another Eastern Conference team. The Sixers, in my mind, have become the Minnesota Vikings in that like every year there's just a crop of analysts just rotate them. They're different ones every year where they're like, this is the Sixers year. Like this is now they have the right players around Embiid. Now, now they're going to do it. And it's sneaky been like a long time since the Sixers have been contending. And whenever, you know, last year it was Kevin O'Connor, like right after the, right after, it's like, they're the favorites. It's like, really? And then this off season, it's like Sixers could win. Might be my title pick. It's like, okay, so we're going to do this again this year. I just, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I, so here's my big hang up with the Sixers is I believe it on paper. And I do think having witnessed it firsthand, PJ Tucker does make a difference in just your attitude and your readiness for the playoffs in those moments. Sure. Um, I still am not convinced defensively it's going to work like we've seen in other places. Um, a lot of it comes down to James Harden and Kirk Cousins. He said he, he said he lost 100 pounds and that you could tweet that and, and okay. the shape that he's in. And, you know, honestly, it's not even him being in shape. It's is James Harden the top five to 10 guy in the league anymore. If he's not, that's problematic. If he is, that's a really good team. And on paper, I can understand why they'd be uh, favorites or pick to win the Eastern Conference. My big hangups come down to we're talking about a team winning four playoff series that has James Harden, who has a checkered history at best, mm-hmm. and coached by Doc Rivers, who has an even more <laughs> yeah. checkered past in the postseason. And Embiid, who has yet to make it through a postseason run healthy all the way. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's at least showed up and he's been impactful in the postseason. It's just those are two pretty big anchors that he's got. Yeah, a couple of red flags, multiple red flags starting to stack up for the Sixers. And I keep forgetting Tobias Harris is there. Yeah, he's still on that team. I forget at least once a week and I have to remind myself. Uh, Boston, another Eastern Conference contender. What do you what do you think of Boston? I think it could go a lot of different ways. Um, it's going to be interesting to see a lot of things with that team. Obviously, the Joe Missoula thing, and you had a tremendous, maybe the best first-year head coach experience last year with Ime. Um, that whole situation just seems like it's only going to get a lot worse if any of that comes out. I, I don't see Ime Udoka being a part of that organization in a year that I think he's he's done. Really? And I, I think... Uh, what, what have you heard, started? Insider Justin Garcia? I No, I haven't heard anything specifically. It just seems like if you're yeah. willing to suspend your head coach for a year when you were the title favorites... You, you, your first question is, well, why didn't you just fire him? It yeah. kind of seems like it's an HR thing of let's continue to collect this stuff and maybe not face legal action or wrongful termination. So that kind of feels like the path we're on. Yeah. Um, so how Joe Missoula responds as the voice and the coach is going to be interesting. Will Hardy not having him on the staff anymore is big mm-hmm. in that respect. How does 
how does Jalen Brown respond to knowing oh, yeah. your name was tossed around oh. in the summer for a guy like Kevin Durant? Great offseason. Great offseason. Not, for right. And not to mention Al Horford looked incredible last year. Al Horford's getting pretty old. How does he respond, especially now that that front court is really thin? And Robert Williams, as soon as we heard the what, the initial four to six week timeline, like, nah. I think Paul said, no way. No this way. guy was clearly rushed back in the playoffs. And now that's that same issue. Uh, so now it's two to three months that he's out. What does that mean for their front court? You brought in Blake Griffin. Great. He's not a rim protector. And I don't know how he helps you defensively for a team that's built on defense. So there's a lot of questions in the front court. And there's a lot of questions, too, of, you know, the hangover effect. And Jason Tatum uh, being at that level, playing a lot of basketball and now coming back once again for year two. So how does this team respond to that? I'm not saying that the Celtics are like dropped down a level, but I at this point would put them behind. Jeez, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I would be more convinced that at this point on a week before the season starts, I think it's more likely Philadelphia wins the East than the Celtics do. Okay. Okay, that's fair. I do hear a lot of Sam Hauser buzz. A lot of buzz on Sam. Well, and that's it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of Sam Hauser. Mostly buzz, so from Celtics people, but I've heard it from people that aren't necessarily Celtics people uh, either. That he looked really good behind the scenes where nobody could see it, and man, he was hitting every shot he took. But yeah. it is something to file away. All right, well, we'll we'll tuck that. Justin Garcia is joining us on the Wisco Sports Show in the NBA Lounge. Um, you have to bet money on either the Clippers or the Nets to make the finals. Which one would you bet? Um, different but the same you know what I mean kind of like both teams have that ceiling if everything goes well and if everything yeah. stays normal but but for different reasons we're talking injuries and, and drama and I don't even know how to quantify Ben Simmons like I don't even know how to describe that as, as a variable so two teams that have a really high ceiling but we're not quite sure about which one would you bet on if you had to wow that's really tough because um, is it because you want to bet on both or you don't want to bet on either I don't really want to bet on either because um, I feel like the Clippers have been anointed as everybody's dark horse favorite of like, well, just wait until next year and don't forget about the Clippers. Uh, Very similar to Brooklyn in that this is a longer experiment than I think people realize. It's been four years. Kawhi has barely played. Kevin Durant and and Kyrie have been there for the same amount of time as as Kawhi and Paul George have been in Los Angeles. my hang up with both of them is you can talk me into everything coming together and it being a perfect year for uh, Kyrie Irving is locked in. And I think that's, I would say, so I'll do this. I'll answer the question quickly. I would pick the Nets over the Clippers just because Kyrie Irving has to be bought in and on his best behavior in a contract year. Yeah, Kevin Durant is still the best scorer in the league. And uh, Ben Simmons looked good for what he gives you in that final preseason game against the Bucs. I don't know that their defense will be good enough, but Ben Simmons gives you those things. So you can talk me into that. Uh, And for the reasons we talked about, who knows what happens with the Celtics? Who knows what happens with James Harden and the Sixers? What if the Bucs aren't healthy? So sure, I'll take that. The thing about the Clippers is, at this point, I think it's a big ask to believe that Kawhi Leonard is going to be healthy enough to give you you need at least 55 games from him that he's still at the level he was in Toronto and uh, that first year in Los Angeles where he's that guy again, right? Yeah. 
And there's a lot of other, hey, we got this guy, but I feel like Robert Covington and Norman Powell, I feel like I've seen the best of them a couple of years ago that you're putting a lot into guys and John Wall for that matter. There's too many. It's, I, I, it's a I lot love, of hope with the Clippers. I love the too many guys take where you like you have too many guys on the roster. I definitely think that that's the thing with the Clippers. Well, and I think with them, it's not only, you know, it's it's a deep rotation on paper, sure. but it's also this is a big if to assume these guys are the back of the basketball card still. I love that way of framing it. Did you see the podcast earlier this month? I think it's the You Know Ball podcast. I'm looking at it now that accurately, like to the word predicted what Bill Simmons is going to say on his over under pod. <laughs> did you see it? No, I did that. Bill's going to be dismissive in this one. Can I see it? I'd like to see the team. <laughs> Everyone, you know, everyone's gonna give me shit for this, but what is it wrong of me to want to see these guys play basketball? They haven't played for two years. That's exactly what he's gonna say. Yeah. I just want to see it. Show me it for a month. Okay. Haven't seen Kawhi in a basketball court in a year and a half. Paul George, how many times has he been under the knife at this point? The guy was basically like, "Can I see the team? I'd like to see the team for two weeks." <laughs> Kawhi hasn't played in two years. It's like, I mean, it's true. And Paul George has missed a lot of time. John Wall is granted a lot of that was just let's try to find a trade partner. But it's a lot of guys that haven't played. I'm going to send you the video. It's really funny. We're talking with Justin Garcia. I'd like to see the team. Can I see the team? Is that too much to ask? Yeah. The Clippers and the Nets. Sneaky, long experiments that have been going on for a while. And we just have yet to really see them play out or succeed in it. You know, people think it's more recent. They traded all those picks Four years ago. It's been a while. Rapid fire to wrap up. Uh, I just want to go back and forth and mention some of the players we're most excited to watch this year. Um, I just gave mine. See, you've said two names and they were both like top three guys on my list. So my fear is <laughs> we have the same exact guys. You can go. You can go first because I have two that I want. I have two that I want to say and a third or a fourth. As long as I get one of these two, um, you go ahead. Player that you're excited to watch. Uh, at the NBA level, or can I cheat and just say Wemby and Scoot Henderson? Well, um, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, Benedict Matherin, yeah. I, I think is going to be really good early on because he's going to get the opportunity. And I think it's going to be um, bad basketball, but it'll be intriguing to watch he and Tyrese Halliburton together. In, uh, oh, so wait, 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 are you back on the Halliburton bandwagon No, now? no, no. But I think Halliburton is going to set him up where that's a pretty ideal combo pairing of Halliburton is your point and Benny Matherin kind of taking the shots and, and getting the scoring in there. Um, I'm assuming, because I know your affinity for other players on this team, I'm assuming you have Keegan Murray on that list. I don't, but I was going to mention before I give you a player that the Kings are making the playoffs. The play-in tournament, do you counts. mean? Counts. It counts. It counts. Uh, Keegan Murray has, the has been has been getting rave reviews throughout the preseason. So I'm excited to see him and that group together as well. Um, And honestly, the Rockets are one of those teams that Mm kind of like what we talked about before of, I don't think they're going to be, they're going to be bad, but they're not going to be bad enough. So they're going to be interesting to watch because I think the Rockets are going to try longer than teams like the Jazz and the Thunder are going to be. And then seeing their collection of young guys um, playing together. And, and you saw a handful of them take a step forward last year. So most of the Rockets roster and Paolo, uh, I'm interested to see him and and Franz playing together because the the intriguing part about Orlando is they could go just with a jumbo supersized lineup and Paolo's your three. They should bring Thon Maker in. See what he's doing. He's and if Jonathan that. Isaac finds his knee again, you could potentially even play him at the two where yeah. you're just going with all length. 
Team All Length. Uh, this is a player you mentioned earlier. I'm so amped to watch Cade. I'm so excited yeah, to watch Cade I, Cunningham. I can't believe I left him off the list. Cade Cunningham is so good that uh, what we saw last year and Scotty Barnes was all of a sudden the analytics darling that was getting all the praise. And Scotty Barnes is good, but mm -hmm. I think all of that kind of took away from how good Cade Cunningham was a season ago. And uh, seeing him with a, a big guy now, like Jalen Duran, yeah. and Bagley. all the other young pieces, uh, the fact that they added Bogdanovich that you can have as either a trade piece to a contending team, or he can be that vet that helps these guys figure out how to win, that's going to be, they're not going to be boring to watch in no. Detroit. And I think Kate is, is more of an old school player where like Jalen Green or Benedict Matherin, who I'm really excited to watch too, it might not be good basketball, but they're going to do great things. I think Kate yeah. is going to do great Kate things. Kate is a smart, yeah. And it yeah. will be good basketball. It will be a very good brand of basketball. Uh, Zion, where are you on Zion? I'm very excited to watch the Pels, but I also think there's a lot of Pels hype and they could underwhelm. Yeah, I'm interested. So I'm not a, a Zion. I'm not. You're a hater. I'm not in the fan club, and I'm not a Zion hater. I'm kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. I just kind of like the the Nets and Clippers. I just got to see him play at this point. Can it's, I see the team? I'd like to right. see the team. It's, also, it's where I'm at. When, when did him. Herb Jones turn into prime Shane Battier? There's way too much Herb Jones hype. I like him, but yeah, uh, all those guys on that list. Um, yeah, I'm I'm in the middle there. I would, I, I kind of put the Pelicans in the as crazy as it sounds to say kind of there with the Grizzlies too of we see this a lot of times where you skip a year and then you regress a little bit like is this not that they'd miss the playoffs but you could talk me into the Grizzlies being from the two seed to the play-in tournament oh, yeah. this year somebody's got to be in the play-in somebody's got to make the play-in some of these teams are gonna be in the play-in that we don't see yeah I, I like to go for teams the year after the year after so, like, maybe that's cause for the Celtics. Why are you laughing? That's well, a perfectly well, sound. No, I agree. Reason. And oh, by the way, with the Grizzlies, too. I mean, Triple J is going to miss a decent chunk of the year, yeah. too. So, yeah. Russ and Patrick Beverly, just as an honorable mention, it's not going to be good, but it's going to be funny to watch. As somebody that really, really likes Darvin Ham and got oh, the chance to know him and talk with him, that part won't be fun to watch having him deal with that. But yes, that that. As an outsider, that's going to be entertaining. Hopefully we can all just appreciate. Well, I got to go. This is fun. It's a pleasure to welcome someone else into the NBA lounge uh, and enjoy the space with somebody else. I appreciate you, Justin. And no doubt I want to check in throughout the season here and there. If you have time, always appreciate you. Yeah, this uh, this incredible space that you have here is an honor to be a guest in it. Shut up. Thanks, Justin. <laughs>